Hi everybody, um, this is season 2, episode 2 of Don't Be a Stranger with Soph Corcoran. Um, today, kind of a little bit of a mixed bag episode, we have two special guests. So first we have the director of Residential Life, um, John Hummel. So happy to have you here. And um, my co-host for today, uh, Rin, the WPHU co-general manager. Who, Hi. Um, not to really dive into anything yet, but... John is a DJ, so and we both DJ a lot of the events together, and we were like, okay, this could be fun, you know, opportunity to kind of learn the beginning of the rope. So how are you doing? How was Jefferson so far? Yeah, you know, it's going really well, and, and first of all, I'm just so um, appreciative of this opportunity to be here, and also just so glad that we met at the student leader dinner yeah, right before move-in. Yeah. That night was such a blur, because we had so much going on in housing that night with yeah. preparing the residence halls for, mm -hmm. for students' arrival, but it was just so fun to meet both of you yeah. uh, when we were when we were at that dinner. So mm -hmm. really, really glad to be here. Um, yeah, this is, um, I'm in my third month now, so uh, it's been going really, really well so far. But um, yes, as you mentioned, I'm the Director of Residential Life and Community Standards, uh, also Assistant Dean of Students, um, he, him pronouns, and um, as, a, as my, my hobby, my really kind of second career before I moved here when I lived in Ohio, I DJed for 12 years. So can't wait so to, to awesome. dive into my work yeah. here and, and talk about my experience doing that. Definitely. So with Move-In, so we were both here probably that whole week because Bren is an FYS yes. here mentor. mentor. So what is that? I get to instruct a first year seminar class with the help of Tim Butler, our associate dean, and um, yeah, I really got to be involved in Welcome Week this year, and that was very exciting. I think all these freshmen are very, very excited, and I'm excited for them. Yeah, I'm a building manager, so I had to work, so I was like, I had to be here, and so I wanted to know, like, what kind of was the vibe with the new freshmen, because there were so many of them, nobody really knew what to, to expect, like, and they're really one of the first big post-COVID classes. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Absolutely. So this group, you know, spent at least a year or two of, of their high school experience in the middle of COVID. So yeah. it was a very non-traditional um, high school experience for students. And, and I think that, you know, from, from that experience, of maybe not so much in the past year, but for the year or two before that, you know, needing to isolate or doing classes virtually, I think there was a whole lot of excitement among our, our first year students on move-in day that we've seen, you know, continue, yeah. you know, in these first couple weeks. Um, so it, it was a really, really, just an exciting day. Move-in day is always one of my favorite days of the year. Yeah. Um, or in, in case here, move-in days, you know, mm -hmm. we had a four-day move-in, two for yeah. first year students and two for upper class students. But mm -hmm. the energy was there and um, I've been very, very lucky. Uh, this was my 12th move-in and I've yet to have a move-in day where it's rained. Oh, so, wow. yeah, so awesome. we had four beautiful days here. It was yeah, a little hot yeah. some of the days, but yeah. no rain at all, which just, um, you know, keeps everyone in a good mood with Seriously. all the sunshine and, and um, lots of excitement that day for yeah. sure. And I think, you know, we I'm, I'm used to it at this point. I've done so many movements, but night one, you know, first year students can, you know, might be a little nervous. A lot of times it's their first night away from home or, or their first night, you know, not living with yeah. or living with someone else, right, you know, yeah. um, not for all students, but for some students. And so I think it was a pretty um, normal kind of flow, yeah. you know, an exciting day with, with a lot of energy and, and um, anticipation on campus. Some students who were nervous, you know, yeah. some students who were a little homesick right off the bat, but 
what I've seen in the last couple of weeks, um, you know, students are meeting, making friends and, and getting involved in the halls and on campus, which is a really cool thing to see. So starting to feel more at home at Jefferson, which is wonderful. That's awesome. Because you, I mean, you have your freshmen and they seem to really like it here too, right? Yeah, absolutely. I haven't heard one bad thing yet. So I think they're all having a great time. Yeah, I see. I remember moving in. It was really just... I think I'm actually, like, probably more affected now, like, living off campus than missing home, because, you know, going to school, you get so, like, nervous, but, like, I feel like now it's, like, oh, my God, this is, like, real, and I feel old now, so I can't even imagine those little freshmen, like, how old they feel, but, like, don't know how old they're going to feel in, like, two weeks yeah. when, they, <laughs> sure. when they fail their first chemistry exam and, you know, yeah. can't yeah. go home. Um, a little bit before move-in, how was your summer? Like, what were you up to? Yeah, you know, it was a really interesting summer for me. Mm -hmm. So um, I finished my time at my previous uh, institution, Kent State University in Ohio, in very early June. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I had, I had known about my late June start date here for a while. So spent the, the beginning of summer after the students at Kent State moved out in May, just finishing up with some projects and, and saying goodbye to some colleagues. Some I've worked with for, for 11 or 12 years there. Um, and, uh, you know, wrapped up my time there in a really good way and, um, was able to, you know, work on some of the meaningful projects there that, that I had on my plate. I think after that, I, I had the most interesting two weeks of my life, I would say, <laughs> yeah. um, after I finished, um, my, my job at Kent State, but before I started working here, mm -hmm. I had two full weeks with very little to do aside from move. Yeah. And moving was a big deal. I had to sell my house and, and I had to, I moved from Ohio. So yeah. it was a, a big transition Seriously. Um, for me. But it was also just this really cool time when before I moved, um, you know, a, a time to enjoy with my friends yeah. who I, I um, you know, have known for many years in Ohio, a time to spend as much time as I could with my mom and dad who still live in Ohio. And then once I got here, I still had about a week before I started work. So yeah. I, I really used that time to explore as much of the city as I could. The Philadelphia is very familiar to me. My, mm -hmm. my mom and dad live in Ohio, but all my extended family lives um, oh, awesome. in New Jersey. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So oh. I've been visiting, you know, very frequently throughout my yeah. life, but it was cool to go to a lot of the spots that I remember going to when I would spend a couple weeks in the summer here when I was growing up and yeah. um, to explore some new spots. Where too. did you go in the city? Like, where do you think your favorite spot was? I think my favorite spot in that first week, at least, was the path along the Schuylkill River. Really? Yep. Yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. It was so beautiful, and it was just um, that week. It, it was another week that it did not rain at all, and so I think I was out on that trail every single day. You know, one day I even walked from East Falls to Center City on that yeah. trail. You know, about five, I think it was four or five miles at yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. So it was just really cool to see everybody out and being active or spending time with their families, yeah. and, and I think that that became my early new favorite spot. Um, I live very close to where the trail starts yeah, in East yeah, Falls and, and um, you know, I, I really gravitated towards that as a, a really cool outdoor space where, um, you know, I could just relax or listen to music or um, walk and enjoy the sunshine. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I feel like nowadays you don't really get a week off to go outside and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, I think it's going to be a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's great. Yep, for sure. So there and of course South Philly, South Philly oh, has always had a special yeah. place in my heart. And so 
Um, actually, ever, every Sunday since I've um, moved here, when I haven't been traveling on the weekends, I've gone to South Philly to get my groceries. So, really? Um, I go to the Italian market. Oh, yeah. awesome. Local yeah. shops there and, um, you know, bring my recyclable bags and build yeah. them up. And that's my groceries for the week. So. That's great. That's so nice. Yes. There's so much good stuff to go get food down there and just, yeah, like, hang out. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then my third favorite spot, my last one, is no, the please. River Rink. If you haven't been yes. to the River Rink, you need to go. We were just there. Yeah. Nice. We did this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I told I'm teaching FYS uh, this semester as well, yeah, and I told my students about it. But I've gone the last every Saturday for the last probably month, maybe month and a half. And um, on a Saturday night, the vibe is just right. The, right. D, the DJ is very good, <laughs> and there's just so many you know people and families out yeah. having a good time roller skating. Yeah. And, Riding that Ferris wheel. So that, that's become my Saturday night spot. I really enjoy oh, it there. Oh, that's so nice. We went for Rin's 20th birthday. I, yeah, we, yeah, that's what we did. And I think it's such a cool thing that Philly does, especially for the kids. Like that, it's just so cool. They have it in the summer and in the winter. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But my favorite movie theater is like right down there too, the Ritz Five. That's like right, like a walking distance of it. Mm-hmm. And it is like literally one of my favorite movie theaters. It's so small and they don't really play any like blockbusters. You don't get like crazy people. So it's really yeah, fun. Really yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've definitely enjoyed my time. I've been very busy with, with work, of course. Yeah. But when I can be out in the city, I very much enjoy it, whether it's the River Rink or the Schuylkill River Trail. Um, this past weekend, I had the chance to go to Feria del Barrio, which is um, one of the largest Latine cultural festivals in the country. Um, really? It was in North Philly. Yeah, really enjoyed that. And then after that, uh, I took the subway from North Philly, where that was, to South Philly, and it was the first annual East Pass Young Music Festival. Oh, my yeah, God. Which was wow. really cool, too. That's so, so cool. Yeah, yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed both of those yeah. until it started pouring rain. Oh, <laughs> yeah. um, but just a really, that was on Sunday, just a really, really good day. Yeah. So lots to explore in this city, for sure, and yeah. I'm definitely, as I've um, jumped right in with my FYS class, yeah. you know, giving them some ideas to, mm-hmm. um, you know, for things to do. Yeah, so. right. Yeah, you're totally taking advantage of that. That's Seriously. Great. Yeah, 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 definitely. So I guess since you both like teach FYS, like what is that <laughs> like? Like trying to like, like you said, like guide these young minds. Like this is their freshman year. Like this is like the the footprint they put down. You know, their make or break. Yeah, know? yeah. I can't wait to to hear your experience. Mine has just been so much fun though. <laughs> yeah, I think as a student, my main goal is just to be a resource for them. As far as like resources on campus i'm not the biggest expert on philly but i know certain fun things to do like campus philly was just last weekend um but it's been amazing my future goal is to be a professor so this is kind of leading me to that or giving me a sneak peek into it but yeah it's been great i love everything about it (laughs) nice yeah yeah i'm enjoying it as well i think there and i told my classes on day one I had been here for about a month on yeah. day one, and so I'm I'm learning some things right along yeah. with my class, you right. know, which has been a cool process as well. But um, I think that my my group, um, probably similar to you, you know, a little nervous and shy on the first day, Absolutely. but as the weeks have gone on, um, they've really you know started um, opening up to each other, and and I think making some friends in the class too, which is awesome. Yeah, it's so cool to see. Yeah, like, yeah, see, like, yeah, like, I think that's what would fascinate me the most is watching them interact with each other. <laughs> like, we were talking last night about interpersonal relationships, like, and I think just being able to witness that firsthand would be, like, so fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I think it's a nice mix of, you know, fun things and getting out and about, like, we went on a wellness tour last week, but right. then also some pretty serious topics that mm-hmm. college students need to know about, you know, yeah. with, with Title IX and, yeah. and some conflict resolution and things like that. So, um, yeah, very, very much enjoying it. 
Yeah, that's so awesome. So what has the last month, like, been here since the kids have really got here for you? Like, if you, you know, like, has there been more, like, conflict? Or are they, like, a good group? Like, even with the upperclassmen? Like, I don't know how much you can share. But... Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think kind of big picture, um, my, the previous institution where I worked was very, very large. Mm-hmm. Um, we had, it was, like, the size of a small city. Like, we had over 30,000 students and about 7,000 who lived on campus. So I think what... It's definitely different. Yeah, Yeah. very different. So what what I'm enjoying most here, and I I think our students feel it too, is that it's very just personal environment, you know, and and, and it's easy to make connections here. And I I think I've most enjoyed and, and, um, you know, something that's been refreshing to me, which is so many students and RAs stopping by all day long, you know, which I very, very much enjoy, you know, Mm -hmm. even just at this point to... Um, tell us how their classes are going yeah. or, or what's going on in their life. So um, I, I very, very much enjoy that part of it. Yeah, that's what's so awesome about doing this podcast is every single like faculty or staff member I have, they always just say that the thing that they love the most about Jefferson is community. Yeah. Because it's like everybody's always in somebody's office talking to somebody and it's like... Um, Everyone knows everyone. Yeah, and it's very student-minded too. So it's like you don't really have to be afraid to go and stop in that office, you know, being scared to get turned away or whatever. Because, yeah. you know, they just want to talk to you, too. You yeah, know? yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and then I guess, like, how, on top of that, like, really, like, Jefferson's just been good for you? Like, you've been liking it, you know? I love it's it. Awesome? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Uh-huh. I, I love it. I'm really, really enjoying it. Yeah. I, I think, you know, among the highlights would be our move-in four-day period yeah. Yeah. Um, and just the, the good energy that was here on campus. And before that, RA training, yeah. uh, that is always a very exciting time for uh, people who work in housing for a long time, as we call ourselves res lifers, you know, so I'm, I'm very much a res lifer and always look forward to, to August, a very busy, busy month uh, in housing and residence life, but also a really exciting one as we, we get yeah. ready for new students and um, see the new energy that, that comes to campus, Definitely. regardless of which campus it's on. Yeah, so, seriously. Yeah. Have you been able to make it to any of the events yet, like on campus? Like any, like I think there's like Canberra Carnival this week and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah. been to a few. Uh, I think the most recent one I went to was the Involvement Fair, which was really, yeah. really cool. So just um, I saw Dr. Aldridge there, which was yeah. great, and um, very, very much enjoyed walking around and um, seeing all the different student organizations. Definitely, and groups, you yeah. Know, talking about what they do. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's so cool to see everyone just like lined up like that, and all the kids going around to each of them. It's such. I think our club life is. One yeah. of my favorite things about I am so excited for you to go to your first Ram Jam. It is probably the best event of the year. Nice. I, yeah. yeah. It's in the spring. Okay. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it is so much fun. <laughs> what did they do like last year? So we've actually DJed it the last two years. So oh, but cool. we might have a bias. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but what was that pretty much? It was just, it was just like... All sorts of things. Yeah, it was just so much. It's so hard to put a label on it. But it was yeah. such a great And we event. always throw a dance contest in the at the end of like yeah. Macarena or whatever it is. Oh that's fun. Yeah. We, we got the Chancellor one year to do it. Like it was nice. yeah. crazy. We won. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, like we actually it was funny, like Heather Weaver was like, I can get you guys prizes if you want. She has two twenty five dollar campus door gift cards to give out. It was so funny. Nice. Yeah. 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 Wow. So then that definitely you have to make sure that you are SVP to that. Definitely <laughs> to that. April twenty twenty four. April twenty twenty four. Yeah, make sure. Yes. <laughs> so I know you briefly talked about Kent. So what was life like pre Jefferson for you? Like even just undergrad, even going back that far if you want. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, it actually relates to some of the things that we're talking about. Yeah, so yeah. when I was an undergrad, I remember it very well, even though it was X number of years ago, I'm to say, but um, I went to a university that was about five hours from where I lived, and it was in Ohio, but I lived in the northeast part of the state, Mm -hmm. um, which is a little bit more the metropolitan part near Cleveland. Wait, where out in Ohio? 
Uh, right outside of Akron. Okay. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, in between Akron and Cleveland. But I did my undergrad in Southwest Ohio at oh, Miami okay, University. Cool. So oh, okay. Ohio, it's a bigger state than it looks. So it was about yeah. a five-hour, you know, drive to get mm-hmm. there, uh, right outside of Cincinnati. And um, I even I thought about it even you know this year like I do every year with around this movement time because when I went to college I was lost yeah, you know there right. was no one else from my high school who went mm-hmm. five hours away and um, I remember um, just being overwhelmed you know and Absolutely. not at all used to um, having so much free time no, you seriously, know or like yeah. okay this class is like a midterm a paper and a final and that's mm-hmm. that's the grade yeah. you know and. Um, in high school, it's very different. You know, you have a quiz once a week. You're seeing your teacher every day. So yeah. I've definitely thought about what an adjustment that was for me, as well as the adjustment with living with somebody, you yeah. know, for the first time. And, and I was just so lost. I was so confused by the meal plan of my undergrad <laughs> at the time, you know, many, many years ago, yeah. um, that I only I thought I only had $6 a day to spend. Oh, oh no. Yeah, when in reality, you know, I just didn't understand the plan. I had, you right. know, $20 yeah. or whatever it was oh, to actually no. spend. But yeah. um, I lost like 20 pounds and it wasn't like, you know, intentional. So right. I definitely struggled my first first semester yeah. as an undergrad. But, um, you know, got involved very heavily with different community engagement initiatives mm-hmm. um, as an undergrad, which is really how I found student life and higher education as yeah. a profession. You know, when you um, do any kind of involvement work or community work, mm-hmm. you tend to run into different people who work in student life. And, yeah. right. um, you know, it was a, I, I met a lot of people who, um, worked in the field there and they they told me hey this is something you can do you know yeah. this is a pretty cool career so I finished my finance degree but I knew by my sophomore year that I wanted to work on a college campus yeah. and there's just something you know that's always been so neat and cool about you yeah. know working at here or at Kent State or other universities you know that um, I knew so um, as soon as I finished my undergrad um, I went to graduate school on the southeast part of the state so oh, I was on a okay. bit of a tour of Ohio. I yeah, Northeast. I went southwest for undergrad, southeast um, nice. for uh, graduate school. So were you an RA when you went undergrad? Believe it or not, no. I was going to ask yeah, you, like, what yeah. were you involved in? Yeah, so many, grad yep, so many res life people get involved through being an RA, but yeah. I never was. I That's lived so on funny. campus for all four years. I was yeah. you know, president of all councils and things like yeah. that, but... I was so hyper-focused on community service and community engagement work that I just could not fit being an RA into my schedule. Yeah, so yeah. my my passion, you know, and it still remains to this day, but especially as an undergrad, was around the community service work. So mm-hmm. I was taking groups to, uh, like, the closest big city, which was Cincinnati, every single weekend as an undergrad student leader, you know, on we would call them, like, plunges, and we would go to Cincinnati, and we would do all kinds of service work and oh, awesome. sleep in the basement of churches and learn all about homelessness wow. and hunger and things like that. So I just couldn't fit being an RA into my, yeah. into my schedule. What made you, know? you interested in working with the community so firsthand like that? You know, I actually think it was probably from my high school. So uh, my high school is a Jesuit high school, and the Jesuits very much emphasize uh, community service work. Oh, so, okay. Um, yeah, in high school it was, you know, a... a, a required really that we had to do yeah. community engagement work and I found early on that I really enjoyed it and found it as a way to, to make a difference and, and became really interested in root causes of it and, and you know of different social issues and things like that yeah. so um yeah I uh that, my my interest in that has been a very long-running one. Oh, that's awesome and I love how here like you probably had so much fun when we did the Bramlett Day of Service. Yes. Yeah, where did yeah. you guys go? So I was here for move-in day, yeah, so I could yeah. not make it. No, so, yeah, yeah, I had to be here on campus yeah, for move-in no. day. But maybe, you know, sometime in the future, the dates will Hopefully. not line up like yeah, that. Because right. I would love to take a group. 
Yeah, were you in any clubs or just a lot of community service like initiatives and stuff? You know, it was mostly community service initiatives. Um, I was also like a manager at a dining, like a student manager at a dining. Oh, okay, cool. Um, you know, different things like that. Yeah. So, but yeah, very, very much focused on community engagement work in, in yeah. college. Yeah, that's amazing. It just grows your perspective. I feel like so much. Yeah. You know, when yeah. You get to experience work firsthand like that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. We would do um, projects in Cincinnati every weekend, but then during the week. We, I would take groups on projects in, in Oxford, where my undergrad was. That was the name of the town. And a couple times we went to Chicago for, yeah. for plunges in Chicago. That's to um, Yeah, really just a very, very meaningful experience. And, and you yeah. know, through that work, found my profession, too. Yeah, I think meaningful is probably the best way to describe that. Because yeah. that's really what that is. Like you said, like show people like firsthand like that. You yeah. Know? Yeah, and because then that also would lead them into you know maybe wanting to work in like res life yep. and stuff like that. And a few yeah. of them did. That's yeah, so which is pretty awesome. Cool. Yeah, like I like leaving that type of impact on people is so insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, that was you said in grad school. Yeah. That was undergrad. Undergrad. Yeah. Okay. So uh, in grad school, I got my master's in higher education, and um, part of my program was that you had to have a GA, a graduate assistantship, yeah. and my graduate assistantship was doing uh, for two years doing town gown work. Uh, which might be an unfamiliar term, but it's yeah. basically um, community engagement work that looks at the relationship between a university and the town around it. Wow. So, yeah. That has always been something of interest to me because yeah. especially um, with Temple University, just in the middle of the city, as well as Jefferson Center City, yep. I just think all the time how much that impacts the overall yeah. just environment in Philadelphia. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So I found myself in meetings with the mayor of, of Athens, Ohio, you know, <laughs> talking about wow. community engagement work and how I and my supervisor could, you know, pretty much teach off-campus students how to be responsible citizens in the town and yeah. all kinds of partnerships and Wow. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So, like, what kind of partnerships would you guys do? Just, like, teaming up with, like, small businesses and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah. A lot of times we would do, um, we did door-to-door. So, I had a staff, yeah. they were called community assistants, and they were kind of like RAs for off-campus oh. students. But they wow. would go to different houses in um, in the neighborhoods in Athens where yeah. students lived, um, and they would talk about, you know, or get students resources for uh, if they are having trouble with their lease or if they needed anything from the city. Wow. We're also talking about how... You know, hey, maybe try to keep the noise down. There's people yeah. who live in yeah. this town year-round, you right. know, things like that. So yeah. um, that was just one of many initiatives. A lot of them were, um, no surprise, but very service-oriented as well. Yeah. So um, I, I very much enjoyed that. We partnered with different neighborhood associations yeah. and city leaders in Athens, Ohio, to, um, you know, do joint service projects with the city and students at Ohio University. So That's so fascinating. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Because when you, like, of course, like, we're so unfamiliar with that because something like that around here would just, like, never really happen in Philadelphia, I think, because of how many neighboring, like, I, like, I don't know, so many schools overlap, you know? Yep. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's so fascinating. I mean, have you, have you heard of something like that before? Not at all, but yeah. I think it would be extremely helpful. I totally I agree. Too. Yeah, yeah. You should try to bring some, like something like that here. Like, yeah. I would work yeah. for that. I would go to people's door and be like, do you need help with anything? Because it's so yeah. important to bring attention to those yeah. things. Yeah, yeah. I just, do think it's probably rare in Philadelphia. You're yeah. Right. At Ohio University, the town was mostly students. Right. You know, it was a small college town in Ohio. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, that, you know, the setting there led for a lot of that work that needed to be to be done. Philadelphia yeah. is very different in that way. Yeah. 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 That's super cool. That is, yeah, I, I'm just so fascinated by that because now I'm wondering, like, did they do that at, like, Penn State when, you know, you have another town like that, State College, where it's just 
that. You yeah. Know? yeah, I would yeah. imagine they do. Yeah, yeah I would not be surprised at all. But yeah. you know, I think one overlapping piece of that work, I talked about how my community assistants at the time would go door to door and talk about problems with landlords and things yeah. like that. You know, one thing on my mind is most of our students live on campus for two years and then live somewhere in the community. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. And yes, on campus you sign a housing contract and things like that, yeah. but a lease is a different different world, you know. Yeah. So preparing our students to successfully live off campus is something I'm I'm gonna look at over the next couple of years. Definitely, like that is because I think that I, is so. I mean, important. we have firsthand experience with that. We just this was our third year, so we had to go mm-hmm. and find ourselves an apartment and all of that. And mm-hmm. I think the stress that that just adds on top of you know that was all during finals and mm-hmm. it's all during the spring when everything's starting to shut down again and you're going into summer mode, but you know, you still have all this outline stuff that you need to figure yeah. out. Yeah, absolutely. I think extra help with that would be incredible. Yeah. It's it a very stressful process. Yeah. yeah. And then like helping kids like, you know, what's, you know, give them certain room to work with with rent and stuff like that. Because, you know, you, you have places around here that are like, worth $900 but they're gonna be 2100 for rent sure. and I think helping kids like find something that's in their price point because a lot of people's parents sometimes just once the kid goes to school it just completely separates from that yep. and I think that's why that extra help is so important yeah yeah yes yeah. so fascinating um how, so what brought you to Ken yeah so um right after I graduated from Ohio University I started at Kent State and um my mom and dad lived around Kent And so I was kind of looking in the area, you know, I wanted to be closer to them. Um, Wasn't quite ready to, you know, move near my extended family in in Philly or anything. Kind of wanted to stay in Ohio at at the time and was looking for a a job at a school that was kind of similar to OU, like a larger state school. It was just kind of what I was familiar with. And that turned into a a wonderful and pretty long first third of my career, you know, in, in housing at Kent State University. And the way I ended up in housing was um, the town gown office at Ohio University, where I did my master's, mm-hmm. was within the housing department. Oh. So that housing department served on-campus students, nice. you know, RAs and things like that, but also off-campus students. Nice. And since we were all in the same office, I talked to a lot of housing and res life people yeah. who were working with the on-campus students. So, hey, you know, I think I might want to do that after I graduate. Yeah. So um, I was looking for housing jobs, um, mm. you know, post-graduation and, yeah. and something near my family in Northeast Ohio and ended up in Kent. That is so fascinating. So what were what was your position there? Did you start at something and then move to something, read consecutively? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was a hall director for five and a half years, awesome. um, which is a pretty long time to be a hall director. Yeah, what is so a hall director? Hall director is like, here we would call him an RD, mm-hmm. um, like Tom okay. and oh, yeah, Boyd yeah, yeah. on my team. Right. Um, but um, yeah, basically supervising RAs and you know handling a, a building of, um, Depends on the school, but, you know, three to 500 students. I guess now, I don't know, if only if you want to have any horror stories that are, like, 10 years old now that you can tell. <laughs> I have horror stories, yeah. I do, yeah. I, I, I think, you know, to, maybe not specific ones, but to sum it up, I can say I've seen it all. Right. <laughs> oh, I really imagine. Yeah, I have seen it all. I've responded to it all. I've been on call when, oh, when all yeah. kinds of stuff has happened. Yeah. And, and, you know, part of it, and it probably overlaps with being a DJ, but, you know, I I like the adventure, you no, know, so there's yeah. always something going on in, in the housing and residence life world, yeah, and, and um, it really does keep <laughs> yeah. it interesting. Because it's like you have to handle the kids that live in the building, but then you have to handle the kids that are supervising the kids that live in the building, yep. so it's like, <laughs> oh no, like, which group is going to cause more issues for me today? Yes, yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah. so yeah, I'll director for five and a half years, and then after that, for about two years, 
um, I was an assignments coordinator. So um, I did everything related to making student housing assignments. And there's actually a lot that goes into that. So yeah. um, you think about not just like assignments for new students, but also room changes and early yeah. arrivals, break housing, all yeah. of those different types of things. I did that work for about two years. Wow. And then for my last four years at Kent State, I was in the housing department, but my job was mainly as like a case manager. So um, big school, like I mentioned, yeah. and, and all kinds of you know things happening. So uh, my job as a case manager was I would be the one to uh, follow up or work with my team to follow up on different mental health concerns, behavioral issues, right. uh, conflicts, facilities issues, things like that. That is so, such an important role to yeah. have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was very very meaningful role. Um, yeah. You know, and, and uh, one that was a challenge, you know, at times, but also one that I very very much enjoyed. Yeah, I think it's so important to celebrate mental health and, you know, have that available. Like, I know, member, I, we have brief, sorry, I don't know why it's a member. Um, I'll edit that out. Um, I know we had briefly talked about how Springfield Psych was thinking of placing um, mental health clinicians in regular general care offices and stuff like that, right? Yes, yeah. yeah. I think mental health is becoming physical health now, thankfully. Yeah, it needed to. Yeah, yeah. It needed to. Yeah. Absolutely. They're starting yeah. to implement um, psychologists and psychiatrists within primary care physician offices in the area, which sure. is very exciting because we're both psych majors and going hopefully into that field. But um, nice. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think for me as, as a res lifer, there's a few yeah. things that are more important than that, you know, right. mental wellness for students who are living on campus and how can we, how can I, how can my team, how can we as, yeah. as a university, whether here at Kent State or somewhere mm -hmm. else, you know, support students. So. so was that case manager, was that a previous role or was it one that had just come out when the discussion of mental health started to get big or was it something that had always been there? You know, the official title for it was Assistant Director of Residential Safety, but it sort of okay. over a year or two evolved into more of a case manager role. Yeah. So um, before that, it was kind of supervising a group that was similar to RAs and, and working on different safety initiatives. And I definitely yeah. continued with that. But over time, it, it evolved into what would, you know, look more like case management with following up on just about everything that happened on campus. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very interesting. Um, and then I guess, like, what has been the biggest difference between Jefferson and Kent with like, I, you know, the size of the kids, all of that? Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's probably size. Yeah. Um, you know, it, my and I, I talk about this, you know, quite a bit, but at Kent State, it's so big, right? And Kent State was a wonderful place, but just big, you know, and, yeah. and very well resourced, of course, but... I had my office, and then there were there was the central office, and then the satellite offices, yeah. and then RGs were in their own buildings yeah. and things like that. Whereas here, you know, me and my um, team in residential life, we all work out of the same office, mm -hmm. you know, which is pretty cool. Students yeah. know where to find us in, in Canbar and stop by all the time, which yeah. we love. Um, but I, I think the biggest difference is definitely the size. Yeah. So what do you mean by size? So how big was Kent State's campus? Like... Yeah, Kent State had about 7,000 who lived on campus yeah. and about 30,000 total. So um, mm. basically a small yeah. city. So, Seriously. Yeah. 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 Um, I guess, so finally the big neat part of the interview that we're so excited to sure. talk to you about. Yes. Um, so yeah, we haven't talked about DJ. DJ, no, I know. Uh, sorry, I'm going to have to cut this off. Can you just hit the little thing? I oh. just don't want it to like time out. You don't need oh. a lot of back end. I'll still record it. We're running this like very jangly, this radio station. Oh, you're good. <laughs> yeah, no. It's just um, with the whole, I one time I feel like I was recording and it just stopped oh, yeah. working. Yeah, sure. I'm just really, that would be very sad. So 
why DJing? How did you start? When? Yeah, yeah. when? Yeah, We're yeah, so I'll tell, you, why I'll tell you the full story. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think it was probably be- long before I, I DJed, I always loved to dance. And um, I remember when I was a kid, and I think I inherited my love for dancing from my mother, because when I was a kid, we would walk through the mall, and my mom would hear a song she liked, an 80s song, you know, whatever it was, and she would just dance in the mall. You know, we'd be walking, and at six years old, I was so embarrassed, but (laughs) I swear I inherited my love for dancing from my mom. And I was always the star at the junior high dance, or the high school dance, and things like that. And really, as soon as I could... Basically, once I turned 18, I was looking for every opportunity to dance that I could find. And dancing for me is basically a spiritual experience. I mean, I'm connecting with others. I'm connecting with the music and um, always love to dance. And so uh, when I was really able to start dancing more frequently, you know, in, in Cincinnati or if I had the weekend off from the service projects or sometimes I would go to Columbus in grad school. It's another very large city in Ohio. Um, you know, go to spaces where, where people danced, you know, I kind of became a bit of a DJ groupie at age 21, 22, yeah, right. um, you know, because I, I would, you know, I was connecting so much with the music and I had this inherent love to dance and, and just was so happy to be in, in the environment with other people yeah. Um, that, yeah, kind of became a DJ groupie and started following some DJs from Columbus, Ohio around and asking them, you know, what they do and, and how they got into it. And a couple of them took me under their wing um, in 2010. Um, and so I got my first start, um, as you know, my first DJ gig in 2010, it was one of those DJs who I was following around who, um, couldn't make it to their gig. So they, they asked me to to pinch hint and pitch it. And, um, you know, I, I jumped right in, of course, you know, uh, that started, it was an LGBTQ dance in Athens, Ohio. And when I was in graduate school, uh, that led to me DJing that dance a few more times. It was a monthly LGBT dance for, um, OU students. Um, that led to, uh, in grad school, um, DJing some events around Ohio University, like yeah. for my office, you know, different kickoffs, different, right. you know, parties and events that happened at the school and things so like that. Cool. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, once I finished at OU, um, I started DJing different events around Kent State. Like, even if I could just DJ an event that one of my RAs had planned, yeah. I was going to do it, you know. That's so, great. Yeah, so that was in 2012. And then um, 2014, I got my first club gig in Akron. Oh, and wow. um, things just really, really took off from there in, in such a big way. Um, right. You know, I had a Friday and Saturday night residency for the entire time, right up until right before I moved to Philadelphia. That's you know, crazy. Two different yeah. um, LGBT clubs in, in Akron. Wow. And, um, just, you know, I, I knew my, my crowd and, and yeah. got, you know, just really, really had so much fun doing that. Yeah. Just good balance for me. You know, talk, being res life kind of a busy yeah, job, but to have yeah. a, a residency for eight years minus the COVID year, you yeah. know, was, was really something that gave me a lot of balance and a lot of fun in my life and something yeah. I enjoyed so much. But my, my club gigs, Led to all kinds of other stuff, too. Mm-hmm. So for about five or six years, I DJed weddings. Um, so I DJed fun. probably about 100 weddings uh, in five or six years. So, wow. Yeah, some That's days. Busy. It was like busy. Yeah, it yeah. was busy. Some days I would DJ a wedding, and then I would go right to the club to DJ wow. on a Saturday. Crazy. Yeah. Um, I did all kinds of nonprofit events. Um, you know, the, the local LGBTQ organization was called Canopy, and so I would DJ their, um, like, Teen Pride event, oh, right, like that. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, different events around Kent State. The the annual Sex Week drag show was so one of my favorite events fun. to DJ. So um, and uh, probably, you know, some of my favorite gigs with my club DJing led to being able to DJ some festivals in Ohio, too. So yeah. different pride festivals in, in Akron. Um, so and it was cool. so cool. You know, as I think back on, 
my time DJing. Um, of course, it was fun, but what was most meaningful was um, being so involved with Akron Pride. Like, I was wow. on the first entertainment committee for Akron Pride in 2017. The year was created. Wow. And Akron, there was no Akron Pride before that. And, wow. Yeah, we um, we started, you know, I DJed the very first year in, in wow. Harvesty Park in 2017, and there were about 10,000 people there. And then to Crazy. stick with it every year and, and to see it by 2021, 2022, moving from the park, which couldn't hold the number of people anymore, to wow. taking over all of downtown Akron. Oh, and, and being in front of a crowd of 40,000 people right. pushing play on a song was just a, a total thrill. So, that is so cool. Yeah, yeah. So I, I very much gravitated more towards um, club DJing and yeah. festival DJing, but certainly had a good time with weddings, too. I, I stopped right. doing weddings in 2019 to uh, really kind of, you know, refine what I was interested in with club yeah. DJing and festivals. But just an, an incredible journey, for sure. I have never met someone who's DJed a festival before. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 Crazy. Yeah. And, like, I couldn't even imagine watching the growth of that up close. Yeah. Like, yeah. Especially with, you know, how many issues that we've had, like, on a political spectrum about Pride over sure. the last five years, and allowing it to still grow like that yeah. must have been amazing. It was incredible, yeah, yeah. To, to be involved with the early entertainment committee and to DJ it every year. Yeah. And, of course, DJ the party at the club after just yeah. such a, a thrilling day every every August, and I think the the biggest lesson I learned was in Pride 2021. We had moved Pride downtown. Yeah. I'm literally on stage in front of 40,000 people, and I will always tell younger DJs, be prepared for anything, yeah. especially with your equipment, because I got on stage that day. Mm-hmm. Nobody knew this happened. This is I'm debuting this for the first time oh, on this podcast. Wow. Nobody knew this happened, but I got on stage, and, um, you know, I had my, my CDJs and my mixer, yeah. and um, I had my laptop with me. And it was 100 degrees that day. Oh, no. And I opened my laptop, and it had overheated. No. And I am on stage in front of 40,000 people. Right. Yeah, and my laptop was overheated. Yeah. So always be prepared. So I had CDJs, so I I had backup (laughs) USB stick, and I knew how to use those CDJs, and no one in that crowd knew that there was any issue that my laptop had overheated. Very stressful at the time, but you got to have a backup plan, you know, for those kind of things, whether it's... Even just a CD player yeah. or like plug it in your phone, but have to be ready to go. So, right. um, yeah, that that was probably one of the more stressful moments. But I knew yeah. I had the backup and yeah. just plugged it into the CDJ and was good to go for yeah, the, the rest smooth. of the day. But yeah, yeah, it made it work for sure. Yeah, yeah, I think slowly but surely we're learning the importance of a backup plan. Yeah. Because, sure, <laughs> um, you can't trust technology. Yeah, at all. Yeah, no, you really can't. I don't think there's been one event where everything has gone smoothly. Yeah, yeah. sure. <laughs> Like, what, what happens at every single event? We can't get spotted by the door. Yeah, yeah, speakers dead or laptops dead, something yeah. of the sort. The yeah. Wi-Fi kind of Wi-Fi, yep. <laughs> yeah. And then we get in screaming arguments across the quad, yelling at each other. <laughs> Why is it not working? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's always like, something, yeah. 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 Um, and then, uh, so I thought it was so funny when you said you know your audience. Like, what's your, like, if you're on AUX, like, what are you playing? Yeah, yeah. So DJing, um, for me, after you master all the technical things, like how to mix, basically, you know, and how to organize your your music collection in a software on your computer or on a USB stick, um, DJing, for me, beyond the technical pieces, of course, there's always more to learn than that, but 99% of the job is psychological and understanding your crowd. And when you have a crowd in front of you, whether it's a crowd of 20 people or 40,000 people, you know, you you have to be so in tune with your crowd. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you how many times I got so much good feedback that it's like, 
or, or times when someone would come up to request a song and I had read that crowd so well that I already had it queued up as the next song. Nice. Wow. Yeah. And, and so I think, you know, being in tune with the crowd, and for example, at, at a club, maybe not so much a festival, that's a little bit different DJing style, but at a club, there's so much going on, yeah. you know, when you're DJing, people are coming in, people are going out, people are going to the patio, right. you know, to take a break. Who's with their friend group? Who's by themselves? Who's on their phone? Yeah. How are people dancing to this song, mm-hmm. right? What's needed at the next song? Yeah. And as you two know, I'm sure, you know, DJs in their headphones, yeah. you know, cueing the next song. And mm-hmm. and I would, conditions would change so quickly at almost every space I DJ that yeah. I might push play on a song and have an idea of what I'm going to play next. And I might cue that up and get that ready to go. But I might change that song four or five times before yeah. I actually decide on the one because conditions can change so quickly and being in tune, you know, with, with your crowd and, and studying a crowd and knowing yeah. how your crowd moves, you know, and, and how they're dancing and what they're doing and, and are they engaged or, or what's needed to get them to dance. Um, you know, that's the psychological piece yeah. that, you know, a DJ who um, doesn't look once up from, up yeah. once from, from their computer, you know, isn't going to get that, yeah. you know? And of course there's a place, you know, even at a festival, like, you know, at a festival, when I DJ at the festivals and, and I've seen other DJs do this, you know, and there's nothing wrong with it. You go with your, your preset mix, yeah. you know, or you know what you have a really good idea what you're going to play. And it's not as much about reading the crowd because the crowd's there to see you, you right. know, and, and, you know, well, I've certainly had my time as a local celebrity, yeah. my crowds were there to dance, yeah. you know, they were there to see me. They just wanted to dance, yeah. you know, and so I was there to, to provide that environment. And so there's nothing wrong with, you know, a, a big name DJ at a festival, not reading a crowd. Cause at a festival, it's very difficult, yeah. but in a club setting, it was very much to me all about being so in tune with my with my crowd and and basically studying you know every move and even when my friends would come up and say hello yeah I would yeah. give them a hug but out of the corner of my eye I would be watching my dance floor oh, I was yeah. very very protective of my dance floor and, yeah. and you know I think that um, that resulted in you know since 2014 so eight years of club DJing every Friday and Saturday never once having. A, a real bad night or a time yeah. where there was nobody on the dance floor it was yeah. to me whatever at all costs is going to get people to dance I'm yeah. going to do it you know that didn't always mean defaulting to every mainstream line dance there was yeah, or anything like yeah, that yeah. but um being so in tune with um with the crowd and also knowing my collection like the back of my hand yeah you know I think that I I know DJs and, and much respect them who who talk all about having 200,000 songs in their yeah. collection and that's great you know I could go on a record pool and download 200,000 songs and have them next week. Right. But that wasn't my style. I wanted to know my music, like the back of my hand, so that when I had, when there were shifts in the dynamics of the crowd, I knew exactly the song that I wanted to access. Mm -hmm. You know, even if I had to change it a few times, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And, you know, to know my, to know my music and my collection, to spend a whole lot of, of my free time finding that music and organizing it and tagging yeah. it, you know, with, with metadata and things like that made the job so much, so much easier, I think. Yeah. yeah I think as new DJs, I'm just speaking for both of us, because I think this is true that that's kind of our main stressor of just like the constant readjustment of it. Yep. And just like, okay, we're playing this song. The next song has to be completely different because it's not working or something yeah. like that. It's just the constant readjustment and reassuring of like, Everyone actually likes this and everyone's yeah. listening. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And not being afraid to change it if people aren't. You right. know, the last thing you want is to have to rebuild a dance floor if people are leaving. Yeah. So um 
I was usually pretty spot on with, with my selection after time, but yeah. not being afraid to change it either. I think as time went on, um, you know, I, I definitely became more refined in my own taste and what I would play, yeah. you know, at the club. Um, I think early on, um, you know, 2014, 2015, it was a lot of just kind of mainstream radio, pop, hip hop, things like that. Mm -hmm. But as time went on, especially my last couple of years of DJing, I became very, very focused on, on certain genres that, that I knew would work well for my crowd. So yeah, of course, a little bit of pop, but taking a hip hop song and adding a bass house beat to it, yeah. you know, doing something that did not at all sound like anything on the radio or anything they were ever going to hear again, yeah. you know, making something unique to that that night and that crowd and that that environment by uh, looking for the bootlegs and the remixes, yeah. you know, on different record pools and um, going going more in, in that direction. So, yeah, it was a little bit of pop, a little bit of hip-hop, but mostly remixes. So, like, bass house remixes of hip-hop. I got really into some Latin A music with, like, Mumba and Guaracha. So, like, a Mumba cool. beat is going to be about 100 to 105 beats per minute, and mm -hmm. it's going to be a... Whereas Goracha takes that and it speeds it up to a house beat. So you're oh, that's to something really, really, you know, energetic and exciting and different yeah. for the crowd. You know, you could take a, a pop song or a hip hop song and find a Guaracha remix of it or a yeah. Mumba remix of it. Yeah. Um, that was another, you know, kind of a, a thrill for me in my free time was to find all these cool remixes that yeah. I thought were going to work at the club from all kinds of different sources, you know, network networking groups for DJs or record pools or things like that. So... Yeah, I, I stayed pretty focused in my last couple of years on the bass house remixes, the the pop remixes, the Moomba, the uh, Guaracha, some ballroom music, if I, the, the crowd, Vogue wow. music, wow. Um, all kinds of, you know, kind of niche, unique genres that yeah. um, all together would um, create something to, um, you know, that, that worked for my crowd, all different styles of house music, you know. In, in Akron, it wasn't New York City, Akron, yeah. Ohio, so, you know, crowds needed to know, in order to dance, they a lot of times needed to know the words to the songs, whereas if you go to New York dance, you know, people in New York will yeah. dance even if you don't know the words yeah. to the song, but in, in Akron, they did, you know, so what could I do to make this not mainstream, not sound like Spotify, not sound like the radio, you know, and that to me was find all the bootlegs and the remixes and, and use them to, to create something unlike anybody had ever heard before right. or... Um, you know, a lot of music, you know, even to this day, I was so focused on finding and playing those bootlegs and remixes. I don't even know what the radio version yeah, sounds like, you right. know, so I who heard, cares? yeah, who cares? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? yep, exactly. So that was always a lot of fun too. Yeah. I, I just have to say, I respect your passion for it so much. Like, in a spot, like, it just is so incredible. It's such a fun thing to do. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, for me, there's a little bit of overlap what I listen to in my, my personal yeah. life, but not a ton, believe it or not. I was going to so. ask you, what kind of music? Like, what are you listening to? Yeah, right I listen to, like, smooth jazz and R&B all day long in my office. Nice. Yeah. Um, and, and when I, you know, weekend mode, things like that, I'll, yeah. I'll go into the house music that I used to play and things like that. Yeah. But, like, house and disco is really my passion. I think, um, you know, uh, one thing that is so unique about Philadelphia is its connection to music. You know, we talk about all the fun things to yeah. do in the city, but so much of club music that you hear now, I was really big into tracing music to its roots. This is what I would do in my free time. I love finding the samples. I love finding the beat. And so much of pop and even hip-hop music and club music that you hear now on the radio or in the club um, goes back to disco. And you have to trace it back, right? But you can always find it. And especially so much current music right now 
Um, I just listened to Coyle Ray's new album, right? And there's so many samples from the 90s. Wow. So you trace that, you know, that beat or that sample back to the 90s, and then you dig a little further, and so much of even 90s music goes back to disco. So disco really set a precedent for, for current pop, a little bit of hip-hop, you know, but club music for sure. Absolutely. And I, I have read books on disco. Yeah. I, I love, like, disco music and disco music history. And Philadelphia is very, very unique in disco history. Really? Because so many people think that um, disco started with Studio 54 in New York City, right? It was this big, over-the-top nightclub in New York City. Mm-hmm. And, yes, disco was big there, and people would go to Studio 54 uh, I'm not saying who, I know some older people who went to Studio 54, but it was like this this place that was open 24 hours a day on the weekends, right. and they would play all this, you know, disco music, and disco was big there, but Studio 54 was not until the late 70s and the early 80s, so disco in New York, by extension, wasn't as big in, in you know, in New York, but if you trace disco back to its very early roots, they weren't in New York City at Studio 54 with, like, mainstream artists like Donna Summer. Disco's earliest roots were in Philadelphia in the early 1970s. And all of disco to me, and by extension, all of club and pop music, because so much of it is rooted in disco, goes back to Philadelphia in 1972, 1973, with Philadelphia International Records and groups like MFSB, very early disco artists like Teddy Prendergrass and and artists like that. And so Philadelphia has a very, very special spot in disco history and by extension in in club music pop music all kinds of music history you know because of its roots here and that's just disco you know philadelphia is also an incredible spot for early hip-hop and r&b and um, new york certainly has its its place for that but philadelphia was before new york in terms of disco and and a modern pop club sound with mfsb and and early early disco artists here with philadelphia international records that's definitely not common knowledge you Um, were just talking about that for the independent study that you're doing yeah i'm working on a podcast pretty much that just follows music through the various formats that we've been through like from vinyl to mp3 to cd to what have you yeah and um I've been doing a similar activity of just like going on the deep dive of the internet and trying to find the truth behind, you know, who made the first vinyl yep. and like how well did that sell and stuff like that. Yeah. So that's really of interest to me. I highly recommend the book Last Night a DJ Saved My Life. It Last was, night. Of course, one of the best books I've ever read. Last Night a DJ Saved My Life. It covers all kinds of music history, cool. including including different music formats and um, really takes a global perspective on it and also from there and my own, you know, other research, that's kind of where I learned, you know, yeah. disco's roots are here. Yeah, in that's Philadelphia super in the interesting. Early 70s. Yeah. Yeah, New York's always labeled disco and Philly's labeled R and B and hip hop. So that's yeah. Yeah. Really interesting. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But those early groups, you know, in Philly in the early nineteen seventies, the Salsa Orchestras, MFSBs, yeah. early artists like um like Teddy Pendergrass and, and others, they really set the tone for what disco evolved into in the Studio 54 New York days and therefore what as disco evolved into house music house music started looking a whole lot like pop as time went on um you know the roots are here which is really cool if you go to the Avenue of the Arts you know Broad Street Mm -hmm. you can see a lot of plaques dedicated to those early disco artists um I believe it was it was either South Soul Records or Philadelphia International Records had their headquarters on Broad Street a couple blocks from City Hall and it's something else now it's like an apartment building now but there's that's where all those (laughs) 
plaques are that that pay tribute yeah. to some of those early disco artists, as well as the many many artists in Philly who started or, or really you know pushed forward R and B and hip hop music and all types right. of music. Really, we really live in such a place of culture, yeah. and it's, mm-hmm. I like um, coming here from Ohio. Like we were both born and raised here, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know. We're from Philly, but like Philly's suburban kids. Yeah, sure. <laughs> like everyone, you know, like if we went to Ohio, we would say we're from Philly. Yeah. But and I definitely feel like coming here for school, like it is taking advantage, like being so close to here and not going and experiencing the culture and you know learning about stuff like that, looking at the plaques, you know, and just yeah. being involved and you know, knowing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's just such a good city, and I hope with the radio station that we can continue to bring more stuff like that. Like, we would love to have you come and talk about the history of Disney. Oh, I would love to. Absolutely, yeah. Have you as a guest speaker, because, like, they would so be interested in that. Totally. Yeah, yeah. I think anyone that's interested in music is interested in the history of music as well. Absolutely, yeah. And and it's so important to know, especially as a DJ, you know, I mean, to know where music comes from and to know where the samples, you know, are from and, and things like that. Yeah. To, to be that in tune with your collection, I think, really served me well. Yeah. I have to say, I meant to mention this earlier, but the way that dance led you to DJing, I feel like has brought a different perspective to it than someone who, like us, who's just love for music brings you to DJ. Sure. You focus more on the dancing from what you said, which I think brings you more success in the long run. And that's why I highlighted that passion you have for it being like linked to that connection between dance and yeah, DJing. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. It's super cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think, you know, like I started with, dancing is, is a spiritual experience for me. I mean, yeah. it's it's connecting with the music. It's connecting with others. It's it's just incredible, you know, to, to, to feel so free on a dance floor. Yeah. And, and I think that because I got into DJing that way, it did give me perspective, and that's the type of environment I always wanted to create when I was spinning. Yeah, that's super cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I just that is so fascinating. What do you think has been the your favorite event that you've DJed? Oh my goodness! Uh, Sorry, that's such a loaded yeah, question. Yeah, it really yeah. is. Yeah, um, you know, I think it was probably it wasn't just one event, but it was a monthly party. Uh, at one of the clubs where I had a residency, and every month we would bring in someone from RuPaul's Drag Race. Shut and so up. I probably, you can't say that in front of us. <laughs> love Drag Race. I probably have about 20 to 30 pictures of myself with different RuPaul's Drag Race and race entertainers. You know, because wow. they would come for this monthly party, and okay. the club would be so busy, six, 700 people. Um, and, you know, they they weren't necessarily okay, there to see me, but they were, they were there to see, you know, someone from RuPaul's Drag Race, yeah. and the energy was always just, just top-notch, and I, I so very much enjoyed, you know, working with different entertainers from, from uh, RuPaul's Drag Race. That's so cool. You can't yeah. just tell us that without saying who. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I think some of my favorites um, over the years, uh, Jujubee, oh, like, um, Asia O'Hara was oh, yeah. super nice, Mo Hart, I very, very much enjoyed working with Mo Hart. Mo Hart and I worked together at the club, but also for the Sex Week drag show at Kent State. Wow. So, so yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was pretty cool, so... They, those were always just fun events, and I think yeah. of, as I think about, there wasn't one specific one, but it was a combination of all those that I, I most enjoyed. That yeah. is so fun. Like, I couldn't imagine going to a club and, like, I don't know, like, Gigi Good, like, being on stage with a DJ. Yeah, like, that yeah, like, yeah. That cool. is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Dry clean energy, I feel like, is just unmatched. Yes. Like, that <laughs> is a whole different level. I, that yeah. is such an experience. Are you caught up? 
I'm not caught no, up. Believe it or not. Not you know, I, I actually don't watch it too much because over over my DJ career, my whole like every night was a drag show. Yeah, right. so it was like yeah. <laughs> There's no I, need to watch I, it. I have a lot of drag in my my yeah. life and my friend group that yeah. you know they'll keep me updated. <laughs> have you made your way to Fabrica in Fishtown yet? Actually, yes. Oh my yeah. god! So, so um, last Friday there was a party called Glitterbox, yeah. and I went and very very much enjoyed it. And so Glitterbox is a record label out of London. And um, they are a, a branch, or they're connected to Defected Records. So Defected is big in the house and club music scene. Yeah, but wow. Defected can also sound a little bit more commercial at times. Um, very good, you know, record mm-hmm. label and things like that. But Glitterbox is like a branch of Defected that focuses on disco house music and so brings in some cool. really big name disco house, you know, DJs. So mm-hmm. disco house is going to be music that, that sounds modern and has a house beat to it, but it's really rooted in disco and, and the link is very, very obvious. So yeah, yeah. it's very, very joyful and, and fun music and, and um, yeah, Fabrique I very, very much enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah, we got to go to a drag brunch there. Yeah, but super cool. Fun. Yeah, yeah. We went like we got there at twelve thirty. It started at four. Like, we, got, like, oh. we we sat there for like four hours. Yeah. Sounds about right. Yeah. But it was really pretty. It's really nice in there. We yeah. were right on the floor. Yeah, and we like they all walked by us, so like Super it really cool. wasn't that bad. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so I did want to ask you, um, what are you most looking forward to for the rest of this year? Yeah, you know, here? I think um, at, at, at the university, I always have taken the advice from a very early supervisor of mine to that it takes a full year to learn everything, right? Yeah. So I'm a new director, new to this university, I'm learning as fast as I can. But I think I'm most excited to continue to learn and find ways that we can support the students who live on campus. Yeah. I think um, I'm very excited over the next year to continue to explore Philly. You know, it seems like there's something fun going on every weekend Seriously, that I found, yeah. you know, or um, even to go see friends in, in New York sometimes or go to the beach. I've been to the beach yeah. already, oh, you know, things awesome. like that. So I'm just really, really happy to be, you know, in this city. And I think in terms of DJing, I'll get back into it eventually. Oh, cool. yeah. You know, I, I did it for many, many years, mm-hmm. you know, 2010 and then things really started picking up in 2014 and DJ yeah. right through you know 2022 literally the, until the week before I moved here you know wow. and, and that was a lot you know yeah. to be busy every weekend so I think right now you know I'm, I'm kind of back to my my roots as the kid dancing with his mom in the mall or yeah. you know going out dancing and, and just enjoying enjoying life and listening to different DJs and still of course finding new music but also yeah. not not feeling the pressure to spend my, my free time, you know, organizing it and all those yeah, different behind the scenes tasks right. that DJs need to do. So um, very, very much connecting with the, the music culture in the city. Looking forward to continuing to do that. You're always welcome to come use our, our old uh, mixer we got from a cop. Oh, I'm sure, yes. And DJ <laughs> one of our various uh, events. Like, yeah. Like, I think we DJed National Coming Out Day last year. Fun. Really, really Super fun. fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you're ever missing it, please just come here and we'll plug some stuff in. Absolutely. Yeah. I would love that. Yeah, we would love to, to, for you to show us how it all works. Yeah, yes. Seriously. We just kind of buy stuff. And from when you Google, what do I need to do to run radio station Reddit? <laughs> sure. <laughs> so we could use as much help as we need. Yeah. 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 Um, so I like to ask all my guests this. I think it's like a nice little way to end the podcast off. Um, if you had the attention of the world for five minutes, what would you say? Oh, my goodness. It's a very loaded question. Yeah, very it's loaded question. Yeah. yeah. Um, I would say 
to everyone, do things that bring you happiness and just make the most of this life. Because we only get one chance at it. So whether it's music or DJing or working in higher ed or any other kind of thing that you enjoy, do as much of it as you can. Yeah. You know, life is too short at the end of the day. So whatever can bring happiness, even if it's something small, I would tell the world to, to do those things as often as possible. YOLO, right? Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And take care of yourself in the process, too. Right, you know, it's a tough well. world out there, you know, and, and it, there's no doubt about that. Yeah. You know, there's a lot going on in this world, even in the city, you know, and mm -hmm. so taking care of yourself, finding self-care opportunities, community care opportunities, things that bring you joy. Don't let anybody rain on that parade. Yeah, awesome. happiness is key. It is. Yep. Well, it has been so great to have you here, John. Thank you so much for coming. Of course. Um, it was so very nice. Bryn, thank you for being my co-host today. Anytime. Yeah. Um, and don't be a stranger. Absolutely uh, not. Yeah, right. I'd love to stop back in sometime. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much. Yay.